0: Hey, everyone. I'm Mike Goldsworthy. Yeah, and I'm Blake Bryan, and we want to welcome you to the Tomorrowland Church podcast. Uh, We created this podcast to explore innovative ways transformational leaders are leading and reimagining the church for tomorrow. With that said, let's start the show.
1: Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back. We are glad to have you here again on the Tomorrowland Church podcast. Welcome to our second episode. And We're so grateful for all the positive feedback that we got on this last one where it's been so good to hear from so many of you and and hope that you continue to enjoy this. And so Blake and I are here together and we're sitting now a few months into this uh, COVID quarantine stay at home stuff here. And, And we haven't been able to like see each other in person in the office. So Blake, like what have you been doing with yourself these last few months?
0: Yeah, good question, man. Um, Certainly, you know, the, the lockdown is, has created some challenges. Um, you know, when I think about just uh, being with the team day in and day out, uh, which we love. I mean, we have such a familial uh, culture there. It's hard to, to not see people, you know, face to face and be able to connect that way. Um, but, you know, there's been some silver linings to this. And, and Mike, one of the things that I think has been really helpful is just the time that I've been able to spend uh, with my family. Uh, You know when you're when you're not commuting and uh, when you can't go anywhere. um, I think it reduces the distractions in your life, and uh, so those are some of the things that I've really enjoyed is just spending time with the family. You know, uh, for me, as you know, you know, weightlifting, powerlifting is something that I really enjoy, and uh, with the gyms being shut down, I was able to kind of create a home gym, and so now, you know, me and my kids, all three of them, uh, we get out into the garage and we work out together, which is just. Been a blessing. It's just been a blast to be able to do that. Um, you know, we're just huddling around the table, uh, playing games. Um, so yeah, I just man, a lot of my time is um, outside of you know trying to to lead uh, the organization remotely has just been spent uh, with my family. And uh, man, I just wouldn't trade that time for anything. Looking back.
1: I love it. And you genuinely are a much more disciplined man than I am. I was working out regularly at a gym called um, Orange Theory. I was doing Orange Theory Fitness that yeah. it's uh, high, high intensity impact training, something like that. And I was doing that regularly until COVID hit and it's all shut down. And I've worked out a total of two times over the past three months. So I, I've definitely put on the COVID-19. That yeah, time. it definitely shows, man. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they say as we're we're looking at each other over Zoom right now, they say that the, the Zoom adds twenty pounds. Yeah, at least at least at twenty pounds. And at I at least 20. You know, I think I
0: appreciate you know just my mother's honesty that she said you know I have a face for radio, um. So this uh, this podcast worked out pretty good.
1: It does work out really well. Well, on today's episode, we interview another mutual friend of both of ours, uh, Chris Kurish. And Chris is leading a church plant here in Long Beach. And so I got to know him because I'm in Long Beach, California and was leading a church out here in Long Beach. And so he came out to do reconnaissance work and we got to know each other through that. But I then learned that you and Chris had a relationship as well. And so how did how did you start to get to know Chris?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We actually worked um, with the the church that he was a part of uh, previously to launching his own church. And one of the things that he was trying to do is come up with innovative ways to, to plant a church. And um, he, uh, he had heard that I had actually created um, a local coffee shop, a local uh, specialty coffee shop um, that was a little bit out of the box. Um, and uh, this specific coffee shop, Restoration Roasters, uh, was created um, alongside with the Corona Narpa Rescue Mission to really highlight this idea of homelessness uh, but not only that, all the proceeds went back to the shelter uh, to support the program. And then what we were doing is we were trying to uh, get people geared up to get back into society. And so we would use that as a vocational training opportunity and so really ran on volunteer uh, volunteerism. And so he had heard about that, wanted to talk through maybe some ideas where he could leverage um, a coffee shop as a place to plant a church. And so that's how we originally met.
1: I love that. I love I love what you've done with that coffee shop. I think maybe we should find a time on here where we, we poke into that a little bit more and get to hear a bit more about how that was created, the way that it runs, some of the things that you've learned through that. I think that would be really neat. But I love that that was a connecting point and some of the forward-thinking things that you were doing was a connecting point for you with an innovative leader who wanted to try to think about some things in some fresh and new ways. Yeah, So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is going to be a great interview with Chris. I'm looking forward to you all getting to hear it.
0: Well, Chris, hey, thanks for taking time to jump on the, uh, the Zoom yeah. here with us, the call, the podcast, whatever we're calling this thing. You yeah. know, Mike and I are fairly new to this, and I think you're going to figure that out pretty quick. Um, <laughs> me
2: too, me too. We're
0: we're trying to have fun anyway. Yeah. So, man, yeah, it's been a while since we've connected. I know, you know, you were uh, looking to plant, um, you know, a church, and it sounds like uh, you did that. And so a couple of questions for you, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, and right now, you know, it's—so um, you've you've named the church Renovate Church, correct? So that's— yeah, that's the name of the church. And you're out in East Long Beach. It's a church plant. How long, how long have you been going?
2: Um, yeah, so we have been uh, online since Easter Sunday. That was our first, our first Sunday.
0: Awesome, man. So here's, uh, here's our first question for you. We know you're an innovator, you know, cause you and I had connected uh, prior to launching and a lot of your ideas were kind of out of the box, um, ideas for, for planting a church. And I guess the question is, did did kind of your initial plan to plant the church change, and if so, how? And how have you kind of innovated in your new direction?
2: Yeah, um, it's definitely it has definitely changed since the pandemic hit. Um, you know, originally it's funny because when I when I first set out to to plant a church, um, I didn't know that there was like this kind of church in the box, so to speak, uh, that they have nowadays for planting a church. So, you know, everybody was telling me the same thing. You got you to gotta build up a launch team and you have to raise money. And, you know, there's all this kind of like jargon you begin to pick up. And they're, basically they have planting a church in a box, you know, and I'm like, okay. And pretty much every um, network I connected with, because um, I've connected with a few church planting networks, they all said the same thing. And so I'm the type of person, like I want to do what someone tells me to do. Like, especially if I don't know what I'm doing, like I'm like, all right, tell me what to do, you know? So I'm like, okay, I guess I have to raise money. I have to build a launch team, you know? And all of that became very complicated because of um, I'm planting, I'm parachute planting into a city I didn't grow up in. And so I started to face some challenges and I'm like, okay. And so I started talking to people who parachute planted like I was going to do. And then when the pandemic hit, it was funny because at first my wife and I uh, were like, all right, let's book a flight. <laughs> let's go to Tennessee or let's go to Texas and visit. Um, I have two best friends that just moved out of state to those two states. And I'm like, let's go visit Josh. Or let's go visit Ryan. And it's going to be great. Let's just basically um, enjoy the next few months and just kind of slow down because we've been moving really fast. And that was like the plan. Like we're like, okay, because I talked to every planter and they were all basically, yeah, nope, going back to my old church or I'm going to do this or I'm going to hit pause. And and then it's funny, I had a bunch of um, phone calls lined up and meetings lined up um, with pastors to raise money. In fact, I booked a Dodger suite for a Dodger game, one of the opening days uh, at Dodger Stadium, and we were going to raise money. And we had this whole fundraiser plan. And so all this stuff lined up. And when the pandemic hit, um, we're like, okay, we're going to put all that on pause and just go, you know, kind of relax a little. And um, we had this team night where on it was on Zoom. And so we got everybody together on Zoom. And um, I said, hey, guys, I'd really appreciate it if you prayed for Bree and I um, just for uh, wisdom and innovation. Those are the two things I asked for. Hmm. Please pray for wisdom and innovation because – um, there's a lot of things Brie and I are thinking and feeling right now. And we just want to do what God wants us to do. So I didn't really think very much would happen from that prayer. Um, I, I thought the wisdom innovation would be go on vacation. That's what I thought it was going to be. But uh, That's that, the
0: kind of innovation I like.
2: That, you know what I'm saying? So then a couple days later, um, I'm watching a service online. And it's actually um, was my uh, my sending pastor in Long Beach, his name is Larry Wackemeyer. And he was preaching, um, just on the pandemic. And out of nowhere, um, he starts talking about, are you going to hear from God in this season of your life? And it was like, all of a sudden these wheels started turning about, Hey, what if you launched online? And I didn't think, I didn't know if it's, you know, how when this stuff happens, I don't know if it's God's voice, my voice, you know, I was just like, Oh, that's kind of an interesting thought. And I was like, nah, cause I was very, Um, this isn't bashing churches that do this. This is just my own opinion. I was kind of anti church online just because I felt like it was a little dishonest to say, Hey, you're a part of the church when they're just watching something. They're not, there's no discipleship happening. There's no life on life. So I was like, you know, I I didn't bash publicly uh, pastors that did that. But for personally, for me, I didn't feel like that was real church. So I kind of dismissed it. And then I asked my wife after the service, I said, Hey, you know, I just had this random thought, church online, you know, long story short, she was like, yeah, I, I think you should start praying about that. I think you should talk to some people. So I called up a bunch of pastors and every pastor I talked to, I was kind of hoping like pastors would be like, "No, nah, that's a dumb idea, you know, because I knew what would have to happen. This is now about 20 days before Easter Sunday. And the thought was, if we did it, I'd want to do it Easter Sunday to start. And so I'm like, okay, if this, if this happens, we're going to have to start moving really fast. Well, not only did every pastor say, yes, um, you should do it. And I heard things like, Hey, this isn't a landscape we're walking on. This is a seascape. So what, this is like an ever changing. So they're like, what does it look like for you to, you know, basically rethink how we do church planting in a seascape part of life and in a, and in a, in a time of life, it's a pandemic and people are hurting, a, a crisis. What does it look like to start a church in a crisis? So I'm hearing all these great things. And then the real God moment happened. I talked to this one guy in San Francisco who had planted a few years ago. And he said, not only do I think this is a good idea, but he said, I think you ought to talk to this guy, Ray. Um, Ray Hudson is planning a church in September, just like you were going to in September. But he's launching online for Easter Sunday, just like you. Um, except for he's two weeks ahead of you. He's already done two online services. So I was like, great. So I talked to this guy, Ray, and he had a full on written out strategic plan of how to launch online. And it was written with one of his team members who works for Facebook. And this was like this playbook handed to me that I could tell God was kind of going ahead of us. And so now from this guy, Ray, I was able to talk to him, talk to his team member that works for Facebook and get this whole great plan of engagement and all this stuff I wouldn't have thought of. So that was, was when not only did the plan change, but I, I felt like, okay, God is going ahead of us here. So the last step was I went to my board, I have a board of pastors and my team, and it was all unanimous. In fact, half of my team, there's a, a 10 people on our leadership team, half of them even said, that that had been in their heart the past couple of weeks, but they felt kind of scared to share it with me. So that's when I I really felt like God, you know, was confirming that for us.
0: No, that's that's awesome. And take me back, if you will, just even a couple of years ago, because you and I had connected, yeah. right? And yeah. your your original plan was a little bit different. Um, yeah. You want to talk about that and and maybe the coffee shop and some of that planning that you were you started.
2: Yeah. Um, so my original innovative idea was, uh, I I wanted to start church a little different. I wanted to open up a coffee shop and, um, I wanted to use it as a way for us to bring the community to us and build trust and kind of a crossing of paths. And as, um, you kind of brilliantly put it back then, um, it was that, um, opportunity to have a community place. That's like a third place. And, um, where we can meet people at the well in the modern day version of that, you know, where Jesus met this Samaritan woman at a well, where everybody used to gather. What does it look like to to bring the community to you in a way of a well gathering? So I, I loved that idea, but I got shut down by some uh, church planting assessors who basically assess you and tell you whether or not they feel like God has called you to plant church. And when I brought up the coffee shop idea, it was kind of like, you're crazy. You're gonna kill yourself or your family trying to open up a coffee shop and um a uh and open up a um church at the same time. So what I did was I was like, okay, well, they probably know more about this than I do. And uh so I started backing off and the hope was later one day I could open up a coffee shop, but then um when this whole pandemic hit, I kinda of started thinking about doing the online thing instead. So
0: no, it's good, and that—that that was words of wisdom from whoever told you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's yeah. awesome. So you launched Easter, um, and um, just you know, ha- how is it? How has it been? You know, you you launch uh, your online church plant, um, and now you're, gosh, a little over maybe a month into that. How's it going?
2: Yeah, um, I would say overall it's, it's going really well. Um, we were surprised that, you know, on our, on our launch Sunday, we didn't really know what to expect. Um, but we had, uh, a little over 1800 unique devices streaming. So we that's obviously great. don't know how many people that was. Yeah. Um, but it may have been a family, you know, half of them may have been family. We don't know. So that alone, I was like, Oh wow. 1800 people. That's, that's great. I mean, um, we have nothing to compare that to because one of the things that I learned is when I asked all these pastors, Hey, you think this is a great idea? Who can I talk to? The thing I found out is nobody else uh, they knew of had planted online, let alone you know in a pandemic. So we had no playbook really to go to except for that guy Ray I mentioned. you know, so um when we saw that number of eighteen hundred, is that good? Is that bad? I didn't even know. Um, so what we just started doing was we had this list of measurements that Facebook and YouTube offered. And we started going through those dozens of things that they mentioned and said, what do we care about the most? And so we started um, formulating a, what we consider a win or what we consider like, OK, these are our goals, what we want to improve on and um, measure each week. So as we kind of formulated that, um, we've been pleased at the level of engagement and the consistent people we've been seeing on there. So that's all been really good. I think probably the, there has been some challenges, but probably the best things have been the response, the amount of people and the consistency there. And most importantly, as we've been marketing to the area of Long Beach, um, we have been reaching people in Long Beach, which is really important to us because on an online world, you can get people from anywhere. Um, And so we were reaching people in Long Beach, which was a huge win for us.
0: Oh, that's great news. That's awesome.
1: Really good. Hey, Chris, I'm curious about it. It seems like in your story a bit, you have had a couple of moments of just in what you've described here of adversity showing up in the way that you thought that you would head forward. So you're going to plant by opening up a coffee shop that you've got this great idea, you're passionate about it, and it gets shot down and you sort of pivot from that. And Mm -hmm. then You're going to open up the church in sort of the standard way, build a launch team, fundraise, and you're trying to figure out some unique ways to do that. Pandemic hits, and you think, I'll take a break, but instead you decide to move forward by starting your church online, and you sort of like pivot again. Um, I'm not sure exactly how to ask this, but I'm curious for you. What um, sort of stirs in you and how have you been able to process those ideas where like what happens for a lot of people is you have an idea that you get so excited about, you hold so tightly to it that when something happens, you're not willing to sort of um, go in a new or different direction. Yeah. What like so what has that look like for you to be willing to sort of let go of that thing to shift and change in a new and different direction?
2: yeah um well, to be really clear first i I was devastated with the coffee shop when that hammer kind of came down um my wife and I did like a week long uh assessment, and at the end of that when I heard that i there were my wife could, could tell you we did a car ride home from San Diego where the assessment was, and it was dead silent and mm. i I was mad I was really angry um I remember saying things to God in my mind like Really like after two years of research, after all this, you know, um, and even the area we wanted to plant in, um, which was Pasadena, that that was a double hammer. It was like, no to the coffee shop, you know, you're crazy. To the point where they said, if you go to the coffee shop, not only will we not support you, but, but Mark will not support you. And that was like a really hard thing because he's my sending pastor. And I guess what I realized from that is he didn't, out of love for me, never wanted to tell me how against it he was. But that kind of it's hard hearing that from someone else. You're like, that's my brother-in-law, you know, like that was hard to hear. And um, so that and then hearing that they didn't feel like I was called to the South Pasadena area, that was really hard. So to start there, that was a huge blow. Um, I think what in that particular case, because I feel like each case was different. What happened to me there was I in silence, I was kind of really wrestling with God in my thoughts and in prayer and just kind of saying like, God, like what, what does all this mean? I'm just trying to do what you want me to do, you know, and all that. And then all of a sudden, um, this thought came where I asked my wife, I said, do you think that God called us to Pasadena? And she said, no. And I said, "Why did why didn't you tell me that?" She said, "I tried to. You didn't listen." And I was like, "No, you did not." And uh, as you can tell, like uh, I'm an eight on Enneagram, so we don't we don't listen very well. But uh, anyways, um, I I just I just said, "Well, if God didn't call us to to Pasadena, where do you think He did call us?" And she said, "I don't know." And then I said, "Um, "You know, one of the things I keep thinking about," I told her, "is that." um the people we always reach in ministry. I started thinking about the people we had always reached. And uh youth ministry was what I did for the longest. I did that for eight years. And so I told her, Did you ever notice how most of the youth we reach were broken people? And she was like, Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. You know, to, to put it this way, half of them at least, um, would tell us um, that we had about 150 students coming and about half of them, when we baptized them, when we talked to them in small groups would say, you know, my family aren't Christians. I'm the first Christian in my family. And so what I brought that up to my wife, I said, Hey, I kind of feel like God's called us to reach broken people. Would you agree with that? And she said, yeah. And then it began a question of like, where is it that God has called us to, if we're called to reach broken people? And long story short, that ended up leading us to Long Beach. And so I guess what I'm just trying to say is in those moments that have been really hard, big blows, I've really gone to like kind of this wrestling with God in prayer of like, you know, what are you trying to say in this? We heard what they said, God, but what are you saying in this? And I feel like that word you use, that pivot that happened came from like us really going to God in prayer and, and hearing like this kind of next step of what he wanted us to do.
1: That's really good. I wrote down as, as you were sharing, I kind of heard you talking about like grieving the original idea, yeah. but like actually yeah. being sad about really it and it. having grief over it. Yeah. Um. It seems like you're really open to hearing other people's voices and intentionally seeking that out. Um. I heard you talking about the idea of like, even like getting, what's the bigger idea behind what we're doing. So like getting to the, mm-hmm. like, we're reaching broken people. So it wasn't necessarily about the form that it was taking, but it was yeah. like, what's the thing behind it? And all of that, it seems like is, is happening through for you, a process of, of prayer, seeking God, wrestling with mm-hmm. God and all mm-hmm. of that. Um, I'm curious, um, not just when you have these moments that sort of disrupt what you thought you were going to do, where you have to pivot, but also um, as you sort of dream, somebody who plants a church, um, it tends to be somebody who has vision and dream and like wants to push things forward. And so for you, when you are, um, intentionally pursuing that sort of a framework, are there things that you're doing that help you to be thinking forward Are the things that you intentionally do that help you to think beyond the present moment to think into the future, to think about Mm -hmm. vision?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, for me, I really have tried to surround myself with people that do think outside the box. Like even one of the reasons why I went to Blake um, is because I always thought that Plain Joe and and you know Blake in particular were just very brilliant in their outside the box thinking. I remember the first time I went to Plain Joe Studios um, with uh, Tom, who's the executive pastor of Vantage Point. When we walked in, Tom was like, like smiling. He's like, "This is really cool." And I said, I feel like I just walked into Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. <laughs> and uh, he, he's like, yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And, and so anyways, going back to uh, Blake is that I met with him about the coffee shop idea because number one, I knew he started the coffee shop at Crossroads um, uh, Restoration Roasters. And so I just wanted to kind of hear from him his thoughts on trying to start a coffee shop and all that. And so... As I've surrounded myself with people like that, even like movies that I watch, um, podcasts I listen to, I just try to always kind of be ready for those ideas. Even like I was saying with um, Larry's message, when it kind of led to that direction of launching online, I just, I I feel like in listening, I try to listen for that idea that kind of like um, really gets me thinking. And Mm. so even with series that we are working on for our um our church, there will be like this all of a sudden this, you know, light bulb will come on from a Netflix show I've heard about and how that could translate to something. So I guess just trying to my brain is constantly kind of working on those sort of things.
1: Yeah, that's good. I'm curious at like a pragmatic level, when you're inputting, getting all this input of all this information, hearing Larry sermon, Netflix movies, things like that. Do you have any way that you're recording that? Do you just naturally sort of file that in your brain? How does that work itself out at a practical level for you?
2: Yeah, I I, uh, I really try to. Um, I mean, if it's a big idea like a, like planning a church online, like obviously I don't have to write that down. But um, yeah, for other stuff, I do. I will write it down. I have a sermon calendar where I try to plan out the year, and sometimes I will leave empty spaces if nothing's really coming to me, but um, you know, like for example, um Mike Mulligan um is a friend of mine from Vantage Point, I know part of Plan Joe Studios as well. And I I asked him to kind of consult me with some future series ideas because I do want to get outside of my own head and I'll I'll kind of write things down. But um sometimes I'll even wake up in the middle of the night and literally like write something down. Like the assessment in San Diego, um, one of the things they they did was they were like, hey, tomorrow you have to preach a message. Um, and we, we left at like 8 p.m. or something. It's like, okay, tomorrow at 8 a.m. you have to preach a message and you have like no time to prepare and they want you to feel that way. And so like I spent the night anyways, like four hours trying to prepare something. And I woke up in the middle of the night, I'll never forget this. And I like wrote down like three things I wanted to say in my message and I went back to sleep. So, you know, I, I really try to, when those ideas come, kind of scribble it down because I realize I do forget them if I, if I don't.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, let me ask you one more thing and then, uh, let Blake jump back in here so I don't hog you. Um, (laughs) so you were talking about like things waking you up at night. I'm curious if there's any like ministry ideas or things, things that you haven't yet implemented, um, that you're thinking about that kind of keeps you up at night, ideas that are just kind of stirring that won't leave you alone. And, And you don't know if they'll work or not. If we talk to you six months from now, maybe you'll have implemented it and it'll be great. Maybe you'll have moved on from it and have shifted to something else. But I'm curious if there's anything just sort of like stirring up there for you right now.
2: Yeah, um, I still want to do the coffee shop for sure. So that's still back there. In fact, um, I keep thinking about if this pandemic may work to our advantage in the way that um, getting real estate um, even if it's just leasing, it will be cheaper than ever, um, and so I—that's even stuff I try to think about. And and even like as we go to launch live in person in Long Beach, because we're just online right now. I've even thought about man, like as horrible as this whole thing is, there are good things in the fact that it might be easier to find a location to to meet in because of the times we're in. So um, the coffee shop's still on the back burner for me, and, and something I'm thinking about again, but. Um, Yeah. Other than that, I mean, there are ideas I have, like once life goes back to normal and we launch in person, I've thought about why, why couldn't we continue an online service that's, that's orchestrated just for people online. And so what I mean by that is, you know, I've noticed that a lot of churches, and again, this isn't a bashing thing, but this is something I've noticed and taken note on, they've stuck to their normal thing. So like whatever church looked like before, if they had an online service, they recorded what was there. They allowed people to kind of peek in from the outside through an online experience by just watching what happened. But there's only been a few churches I've seen who've actually Completely changed the way they did this service. So, for example, if a church did three worship songs, announcements, message, and then one more worship song, they did a lot of churches. They do the same thing, but there's been a few churches that have actually completely changed that, and they've gone down to like one worship song, message, and you know something else like that. And so, what I've been thinking is why not continue to do a Service is specifically tailored to people who are um, watching online, meaning a shorter service. And um, that's like one of the things I've noticed is I'm able to speak directly into the camera, which feels very much like we're having a conversation. But if we go back to like I'm preaching to an audience and they're filming me, then my eyes are going to be on them and not to that person at home and that connection we're having because it feels like it's for them. So I've wondered, like, could we do like a Saturday night thing that's for them that we release online and then we do our live thing on Sunday? So I've been thinking about things like that and how to um, keep what we've done and learned from this pandemic and, and maybe keep something there. The biggest thing for me is if we were to do that, I wouldn't want it to substitute community and discipleship. So I would still want them to come be a part of gatherings, or or at least online be a part of Zoom group gatherings if they're kind of the skittish type. Because what I found out is there are some um, people out there who just like to be hermit crabs. They don't like to go out to places, and for them, an online Zoom group might be the only community that they'd find. So that that's one thing I've been thinking about.
0: That's good. No, that's great. Um, And I love that you still have this uh, passion uh, to see the coffee shop come to fruition, you know, because uh, (laughs) which is great because, you know, uh, we've seen the model work. You know, I think, uh, you know, we connected with Ebenezer's right out in in Washington, D.C., I think that's proof of something that's out of the box that can work. And obviously yeah. God's placed that on your heart. And, and I love to see the passion continue for that. And, and, and that's, what's great about God is it, it may not be now, but it doesn't mean it's yeah. not never. Um, right. and maybe, a maybe a coffee shop in Long Beach would have done a lot better than maybe a coffee shop in South pass, who knows, you know, but, yeah. um, yeah. so that's, that's, that's awesome. And it's great that you started online uh, during the pandemic. Uh, I mean, that is an innovative way to to launch the church. You know, it was interesting. We talked to a more established church a couple of weeks ago, and they they said, you know, their future is probably seventy percent online now and thirty percent through the local body. Where you've started a hundred percent (laughs) online because you you haven't been able to, to to gather a local body. Um, how do you see that changing in the future? You know, what does that mix look like for you between kind of that, the online church, uh, which you started in and kind of that local body in which you're going to find yourself when this thing passes?
2: Yeah. Um, one of the first questions that came up for my team when I asked them, I was like, Hey, you know, kind of like poke holes in this, or, or push back if you think this is, uh, um, a mistake. Um, one of the things that came back was people were just like, "Well, what? What about when things go back to normal?" And um, so that question did come up, and a couple of the pastors I talked to asked that. And what I told them when I said, "Hey, here's what I think," but you know, tell me if you if you guys disagree. I said I feel like we can play the the if and when thing, you know, until the cows come home, so to speak. We can sit around all day trying to guess what when this pandemic will end, when quarantine orders will end and what it will look like for us. But I said, I kind of think no one really knows that and no one knows what we'll be like as a church. Will there only be 50 people watching this? Will there be uh, you know, a couple hundred? Um, we didn't know. And what we didn't expect is how many viewers we are getting, which has been awesome. But I said, can we cross that bridge when we, when we come to it? And everyone agreed, yeah. So what we're doing right now Is we're just kind of forging ahead and just trying to work on what we do have. Um, I've gotten some great advice from some other pastors on what to do, how to pastor what I have during this time, because that's been one of the most frustrating things for me. And we can get into more challenges later if you want. But um, I just, I hate that I can't connect with people. Mm. And so that's been really hard for me. But, anyways, you know, um, we're kind of waiting for that moment that. Quarantine orders change, which this is the funny thing. Is a lot of people keep telling me they're like, "Oh, well, we're almost out of it," and I'm like, "But not for Long Beach." That's the thing is Long Beach is 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 behind a lot of other places because it's been so bad there with the with the COVID nineteen cases and even deaths from what I'm reading. And so um, for us, we're really trying to wait uh, to when I think we're in phase one, maybe of reopening, um, from what I've seen the mayor put out there. So when phase two and three come out and we're able to have large person gatherings, which I heard probably won't be till September, then we can go maybe end of summer. Okay, what does this look like? But kind of really waiting till we get to that point. One of the things we said was, if we have a small a small core church at that time, you know, maybe like 50 people we know for sure that are watching every week and consider it their church, we thought maybe we'll just start gathering in a home or, or somewhere small and begin to build up that community and then launch in the fall or maybe Christmas time we were talking about. But if we have like, let's say a couple hundred people who say, no, this is my church. And we start to see that. Then we thought that might be enough for us to have our first preview launch service sometime in, in, the, in September, in the fall. So that's one of the things that we're just trying to figure out. What is God doing in all this and what does he want us to do? But
0: Oh, that's awesome. No, that's great. And it's really interesting the situation you're in because a lot of churches who have planted, um, have been able to, to to develop some local community, but what lags is typically the online church, um, and I think actually this pandemic has probably propelled a lot of people forward in that. Where you're you're interesting because you're going to be ahead in that game, and then yep. you're going to be doing community, you know, on the on the backside of that, which is a little bit of a different challenge than maybe a lot of uh, planters have had to face. But the great thing yep. is if you're meeting. Kind of the need locally. If you have a lot of people watching online locally, it sounds like there's kind of a natural progression to kind of yeah. come together in a physical space, um, which is great. So you said one of the things that really frustrated you is not being able to to connect with people, right? To to see people, um, to to hug them, to cry with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. To pray with them yeah. in, in person. What are what are other you know what are some of the other challenges maybe that that you've faced? um, yeah. you know, planting the, the, the way that you guys have had to plant given the circumstances.
2: Yeah. I mean, um, well to dive a little deeper into that, cause there's, there's some layers to that. Um, so first of all, I, as a pastor, I, I really hate that. I can't see them coming out and see the change that's happening in their hearts and their eyes. You know, um, I miss that. Like, being able to connect with someone and, and, and all that. And nowadays, like I have no idea what's happening on the other side of a screen. So that's been really hard for me because we want like our, our mission statement and purpose statement is uh, so that every person far from God will be heart and soul followers of Jesus Christ. I don't even, I can't even see the change that I'm reaching people far from God. There are some stories that I can maybe get to later, but that's been really frustrating. Another layer to that is um, how do we build connection in a disconnected world? you know, I mean, uh, everybody just wants to watch and nobody really wants to engage and start taking steps in community. So for us, it's funny, I was literally devastated. And this was keeping me up at night uh, for the first couple of weeks that we'd have three to zero people reach out to fill out our online form, which is like either I accepted Christ or i want to join a group or I'm going to join the team or whatever. And that was devastating me because I'm like, okay, this is This is like, we're not reaching anybody. Then I talked to a bunch of pastors who said, you know, some of these larger churches that are getting half a million views are getting tops, a dozen people filling out online forms. And once I heard that, I was like, oh, okay. So now like I can scale ourselves against something like that and say, okay, this is the world we're living in nowadays. Nobody wants to give personal information, you know, through this online digital platform. So um, that to me is a, just a couple layers of like why it's been so frustrating for me is like, I didn't, I, God didn't call me to start a church just so I could have an online video for people to watch. You know, I, I want to connect with people. I want to see them grow. So that's been really frustrating. Um, some other challenges we faced is, you know, um, launching with a completely volunteer team. Um, and I'll never forget when they were all like, Yeah, you know, this is what God's calling us to do. I said, and this was maybe even a mistake as a leader. It was kind of a downer moment as I said, Mm -hmm. hey, that's great. So just to paint like a reality picture, this means we're all going to go from like this volunteer team that met once a month to now talking pretty much daily in this leadership team of 10 people kind of functioning like a staff, like a non-paid staff. So, I just want us all to feel that. And it was really <laughs> awkward and really quiet. And it was almost like I tricked them, like, ha you know? Um, but uh, from that, they've been amazing. I mean, they've responded, um, stepped up, been very fanatical with their approach to everything. And, you know, these people are just giving hours to this church. And it's it's funny because in the middle of a pandemic, When, you know, the whole world's kind of, at least here in America, kind of losing their minds and Long Beach, everyone kind of hearing is like, I don't know if you know this, Mike, but it's either number one or number two in LA County for confirmed cases or something like that. Hmm. And I was like, Hey, can you guys come down to our filming in Long Beach, you know, every week? And it was amazing because they did. And so every other week we rotate and half our team goes down so that um, there's about 10 people there each time. Uh, half our leadership team, our core team is about 25 people. But anyways, that's been amazing to see them going down and what a lot of people would say, risking their lives, you know, and, and we do social distancing and wear masks and all that. But it's just the the risk factor and how they've we've seen so much faith from them. But that has been a challenge to get back to the point of, you know, I, I'm always asked myself as a leader, am I asking too much of them? You know, um, am I being too hard on them? And then one of my biggest issues as a leader is um, I have a high level of excellence. I can be very demanding at times. And so um, one of the first things one of my um, my old bosses said to me, I called him just to let him know I was planning a church. And and, uh, and he said, now, Chris, we worked together for a couple of years. And I said, yeah. And he said, I want to say something to you, but I want you to hear it. And I said, OK. And he said, um, don't get caught up in perfection, focus on progress. And that was a really timely word for me because mm. my first service, I was so frustrated with Easter Sunday. They they kind of locked me in a box and they're like, okay, you can't move. Um, you got to stay still. Uh, our cameras are not that great, blah, blah, blah. So I had this TV right behind me. I couldn't really move and I like, I like to move. There's so many things I didn't like about the first service, but I had to focus on progress and not perfection. So that's been really hard is with a team of volunteers and what I envision in my mind, you know, it doesn't match up. And um, I had to focus on progress continually instead of perfection in my mind, what I kind of saw, you know, and that goes back to the coffee shop and so many disappointments (laughs) that I've had along the way. So,
0: No, that's, that's good. And I think that's helpful uh, for people listening. On the flip side of that same coin, what are the things that, you know, have been propelled, um with the church beyond what you would imagine, kinda of given your, your current circumstances.
2: Yeah. I mean I've I've been a little shocked just how many different states are watching. Um, you know, finding out that people are watching there are some states I knew I have family in like Tennessee and um Indiana. Um but like, you know, and then I have one family in Texas is close friends of mine but like seeing how many people were watching in those States and, and even other States was kind of surprising for me. Cause I don't know how all that stuff works. Um, like how they found out, you know? So, um, that was really cool. And then there comes the frustration where I'm like, where's the life change. And I'm, I'm like pounding our team. Like we suck in, in that. I mean, I don't say it in those words, but I'm saying it in other words, and then one day, um, when I was really frustrated with just not being able to see life change. Like, are we even making a difference? And one day, um, our guy who's kind of running our team, his name's Fernando. He like said, Hey, uh, I like everybody go around and share, you know, just someone you shared the message with and what they said. And I found out um, to share just this one story that he had reached out to someone in the Long Beach area who was a friend of his that he knew wasn't going to church, but was a Christian. And the trick he used was he's like, hey, can you watch this and kind of give me feedback of how you think we could do better? Nice. Um, you know, which is smart, super smart. You know? So <laughs> anyway, I got watched and he's like, hey, here's my feedback. I thought this was great. This is great. And Fernando's like, hey, thanks. And then he started watching, um, you know, weekly. So this is the God story. He texts Fernando um, about a couple of weeks ago and he said, hey, man, just want to let you know, a woman I know reached out to me that she was going to take her life. Uh, she was going to commit suicide. and." I told her, I said, Hey, hey, don't do that. And you know what, you should watch this church that I've been watching. And she reached out to him that same day and said, I just binge watched all the services they put out there. And I found hope. And she said, So thank you so much. And getting a chance to hear that story. You know, we don't get to hear them all. But that was like huge for me to go, okay, God is working. You know, it's not just numbers on a screen. Um, There are people out there whose lives are being impacted. So that was huge. Um, the reach we've had was huge, and just personal stories of I, I, I text friends I hadn't talked to in years, feeling like a you know one of those guys who we haven't talked in years, but you should check out my church, you know. But <laughs> but I did, and and it's because you know I thought about him. So this one guy never goes to church, you know, always spoken out against Christians. I text him and I said, hey started church. He's like, Oh, that's awesome. I'll watch. I'm, I'm on duty right now as a firefighter. But as soon as I get off, I'll watch. And he texts me, you know, thanking me. So just really cool stories like that, that normally he would have never came to Long Beach to see my church, but in an online world where no one really has anything going on, I really think it's been a way that Jesus has been able to kind of step into people's homes through a screen that ordinarily would never step foot into church. And who knows what seeds will be planted through this that will allow people to one day step into church from this. And one of my favorite things actually has nothing to do with renovate in my church, but um, churches and pastors that I have seen been very anti-online church and online presence and really just social media and everything have been forced into a place where they have to care about that. And and I, I say that not to say, ah, ha, ha, you know, like you bashed us, but now you're, you know, joining the club. It's because I, I know how much more God can do through those pastors and those churches that they were completely against and now are open to. And I think that has been huge. In fact, one of my, my sending churches in Long Beach that I mentioned earlier, Pastor Larry, he had for years said no to online church had said no to even sermon videos being recorded and posted. And because of COVID-19, they were forced into it. And he's so glad he did it because now their reach is, is thousands of people outside of Long Beach. And it's been incredible. So just to share, like, I love that God, through all of this, has been able to help the church go into homes that they weren't reaching before. That's really
1: good. That's definitely been our experience at Plain Joe with the churches that we're connecting with and, and helping with uh, their digital presence also. We've seen awesome. definitely a lot of people that um, that are trying to figure out how to do that for the first time or how to do that better. Um, Chris, I'm so encouraged by what you're doing, so encouraged by the way that you've pivoted to, like, to launch your church online. Um, I think that's super, super interesting, and I'm so excited to see what happens with you. I um, The things that I think I'll take away from from our conversation, I'll, I'll think a lot about that idea of progress and not perfection as we move into future spaces. And um, I really heard you circle around a lot to the idea of like being open to listening to others and continually like finding people who are innovating, people who I trust, people who can speak into my life and being really open to feedback there. And I really, really appreciate that about you. Thank um, you. Hey, could you let our listeners know where they can find you and your church online if they want to just see more of what you're doing and follow up with you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, you can find us at renovatechurch.org. Um, so renovatechurch.org is our website, and then on um, social media on Facebook and Instagram is renovatechurchlb, and then on YouTube we do have a YouTube channel. Um, it's just renovate church. So. If you want to check that out as well, um, yeah, we would love uh, for you guys to check us out. Get connected that way.
1: Great. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. We were so glad to have you with us. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it, man. Well, um, I thought that was a really great interview with Chris. I enjoyed our time with him, and, and he offered us some like thoughtful and challenging ideas. And so, Blake, what were, what were some of the things that stood out to you? Yeah, Mike, a
0: couple of things that really stood out to me. Uh, one is just his handling uh, of adversity as a leader. Um, you know, this idea of church planning. You know, um, I, I know church planners and been a church planner myself. And, you know, you're thinking about this thing constantly. You, you're, you're almost obsessed uh, because God has called you to do something and you're just pouring everything into it. You know, you're pouring your, your passion into it. You're, you're pouring your, your resources into it. I mean, everything um, goes into thinking about launching this church. And for him, I know specifically he, he had this vision of launching this church out of a coffee shop in South Pasadena. And uh, that was something that he was super excited about and and really couldn't wait to get off the ground. And then he went to, you know, that coaching session um, and and he talks about how they thought that that wasn't the right direction. That wasn't the right idea. And just to hear him mourn over that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it was a, a, a literal loss in his life. But the fact that it didn't stop him, you, you know what I mean? The fact that he continued to pursue um, God's vision, uh, for this church plan, And then, you know, he kind of regathers himself. He's ready to go. They figure out maybe Long Beach is the better place to launch. And again, they're ready to launch and what happens COVID-19. And so another, you know, adverse situation, uh, to what God has called him to do. And and what does he do? He, he pushes beyond it. I love his persistence and the fact that he's like, okay, if we can't do it physically, we're going to do it virtually. And he's one of very few people that I know um, who has had the courage to launch a church um, online, you know, what I mean? before you launch something uh, in, in the physical. And so it's just something that resonated with me that um, that's something as leaders, transformational leaders. It's we are going to come across these roadblocks, these adversities, but it's that whole idea of the persistence. And I think he framed it up well. He says progress over perfection, progress over over perfection. And that idea is, you know, perf- progress is going to get you somewhere where perfection never will, right? It's that it's that perfectionist mindset that stops us from moving forward. And because he saw progress and passion over perfection, he was able to move forward. And so those were just two nuggets that I got out of our time together.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's definitely true of the innovative leaders that you and I have gotten to connect with that are moving things into the future. They are not waiting for an idea to be fully formed and they're not waiting for something to be exactly right in order to launch it. They are they, they are building it as they go and just continually taking steps forward and really failing forward. Um, yeah, one of the things that I heard from Chris was sort of like a theme of openness he has this openness to others' voices. So he thought he would go in a direction he heard from others and decided to pivot and shift and change. He has this openness in prayer of just kind of like, God, what do you want to do in me and through me? How do you want to do this thing? And it's this sort of openness that allows you to be able to dream about the future, that allows you to be able to not be so sold on an idea that you miss the new thing that's happening. You miss being able to adapt and change that sometimes I think what happens as leaders is that we is that we get so sold on an idea that we have that the idea becomes the vision and we miss like, well, what was actually the bigger thing behind that? And we have to hold those things lightly. And I think uh, I I was really challenged by Chris having this openness with things that were really dear to him, but he was able to be open with it. And you can't move into the future without that. So I, I appreciated that about him.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it's this whole idea of keeping
1: the main thing the main thing. Um, and I know that
0: uh, when we don't do that, we allow, we, we allow ourselves to get sidetracked, right? And we're less successful in the pursuit of what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, so I absolutely resonate with that.
1: That's good. That's good. Well, friends, we're so grateful that you joined us again on the Tomorrowland Church podcast, where we are exploring innovative ways that transformational leaders are leading and reimagining the church for tomorrow. Our podcast is produced by Caleb Henry. And so hire him, contact him at caleb.m.henry97 at gmail. If you want to get in touch with Blake, he is blake at plainjoestudios.com. Or if you want to get in touch with me, I'm Mike G at plainjoestudios.com. So for the Tomorrowland Church podcast, we are saying goodbye. And we look forward to connecting with you all again next time.